you a car guy, Dave? You like cars? Yes. Yeah, what kind of cars do you like? What's your dream car? I want a Dodge Challenger, Hellcat, Red Eye, Wide Body. That's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Highly Leveraged Podcast, interviewing landlords and industry professionals to help you start and continue to scale your rental income portfolio. Here's your host, Dave Rosa. What's up? This week, I talked to Scott Howard out of Chicago. He's a condo guy. He and his father have bought properties through auctions. They've done flips. In his area, single-family houses don't make sense, so he and his father have locked in on condos. Currently, they have nine condos with a goal of 25-plus. Here's Scott with his story. I know you said you uh, partnered with your father, so is he the one that got Mm -hmm. you into it, or how did you start back when you did in 2015, you said? Yeah, 2015. Yeah, it's actually the opposite. Uh, I I was getting into it. Uh, My dad and I both uh, got stuck in an airport many, many, many years ago and saw this purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Both decided to pick it up and read it while we were waiting for a flight. And uh, yeah, that kind of changed everything. So um, a couple of years later, I actually jumped into it and started looking to flip properties and then ended up bringing him on board to do what I was doing, which was, I mean, nothing at the time, but um, we ended up doing our first two deals, I think back in, I think it was 2015 was our first one. And we ended up buying uh, our, a flip. It was an REO and we had no clue what we were doing. And then two weeks later, another great deal popped up. So we bought that one too. So we kind of we kind of doubled up and, and had no clue what we were doing. One turned out really well. One didn't turn out so well. I'm sure you learned something from it at least. Yeah, we made a lot of expensive mistakes. Yeah. Um, so we ended up, I think, breaking even between the two of them. But uh, luckily, the one that was profitable closed first to cover our losses on the second one. So yeah, we walked away with a lot of information, a lot of knowledge and experience just off those two deals alone. And both of you were confident moving forward after that? There wasn't, no one was trying to talk the other one out of stopping it? or No, we wanted to keep going. And, you know... Uh, if you're not going to do a hundred of them, you shouldn't even really do your first one. So I decided we're just going to keep going forward no matter what. And, uh, started getting into rentals as well. And, and that's what I do most of right now. I mean, obviously there's no foreclosures or evictions in the area. So, uh, rentals is kind of where it's at. That's my, that's probably more my favorite, I would say. As yeah. far as strategies go. Cool. And this is all in the Chicago area. Yes. Yeah. So we're in the Northwest suburbs. Uh, so we do DuPage County, which is a western suburb, and then I do northwest suburban Cook. Cook County is where Chicago is, so but we're about 30 miles northwest of Chicago. All right, so after those first two, uh, what, what did you do on your next deals? So my next one, uh, I, found a, I found an experienced realtor who specializes in rental investments, and I went out and bought my first rental unit. That was probably in the summer of 2015, and then a few weeks later, we found another great flip deal, and we decided to do the Burr strategy: buy it, renovate it, re- you know, all that stuff. Brand and and uh, yeah. yeah, there's I know they keep adding extra R's at the end there. Yeah, <laughs> buy, renovate, refinance, rehab, rinse, repeat. You know, yeah. all those things. Uh, so yeah, we did that. We basically did two of those in one summer. Um, so I ended up going from zero zero rentals to two in in a matter of a few months, and uh, we just slowly kept buying more and more units and uh i've got uh, nine of them right now with i think three more under contract now those first ones you bought to hold those were condos yeah so 
the, the very first one I bought was a two bedroom condo, one town over. And I still have it actually today. That was my first one. And the second one we bought was about three blocks from my house. That was actually a single family house. The exact same layout and model where I, where I currently live. Mm. So I had a two-bedroom, one-bath condo, and then a single-family, three-bed, one-bath house. You dealing with HOAs at all? Yes. So after, after a few years, we learned that the single-family house route was not profitable at all. I decided to liquidate that one and just continue to focus on condos. So in our, in our market here, single-family homes, at least in the surrounding areas, just don't work. The taxes are unbelievably expensive you know for a 900 square foot house i think our taxes are 6500 wow so yeah that the, the price to rent ratio just doesn't work um and it works really well for condos um so that's that's why i decided just to focus on that so yeah i do deal with some hoa stuff um i know that scares off a lot of other investors which is why i like it there's a lot less competition in this arena they don't want to deal with all the politics and the headaches that you have to go through and I'm willing to do that. So it actually works out really, really well. So uh, any nightmare situations you've run into with HOAs that you had to battle them? Any lawyers getting involved or anything like that? <laughs> uh, thankfully, no. Not, nothing to that extent. Um, we've had uh, several issues, but nothing, nothing that my tenants have ever caused. Um, you know, no litigations or anything like that. All right, so you got those first two in just a matter of months. Uh, when was it that you picked up the third one? Was that the following year? So let's see. Those were 2015. I believe the following year I picked up. No, so I got one more at the end of 2016. So I was a mortgage underwriter for like 14 years. Decided to leave, and I bought one more unit right before I left. And then uh, that was a one-bed one bath, yeah, one bed, one bath condo, very easy, right off the MLS. Bought it, rented it, and then um, I think about four or five months later, I bought two more rentals at the same time. I don't know. I seem to buy them all two at a time, which is what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Instead of buying one or two a year, I just take every other year off and just double up on the next year. So um, ended up buying two at a time the following year, <laughs> which I, I don't know if that was a mistake or not, but. Um, so yeah, how much, how much are you paying for these and, uh, what, what do rents go for in that area? So they're, they're all over the board here. Um, I would say I mostly have one bedroom condos. I have a couple of studios and then a couple of two beds. Um, and they really range depending on what, what association it's in, what town. So I'm anywhere within like a 45 minute radius of my house is where I'm going to go. My first one bedroom I bought for 70. Uh, right now they're between 90 to hundred. And they probably rent for mine's. Mine's pretty low. Mine's at nine ten. Um, but when they move out, I'll probably re-rent it for a thousand. Yeah. So that's kind of on the low end of things. I have some other one bedrooms that I just I just rented my one bedroom for twelve fifty in a different association, and I've got another one renting at a thousand. The studios actually are, are pushing closer to a thousand in that same association too. So the studios are about a thousand. The one beds are twelve to thirteen. Uh, I don't own any two beds in that one, but those numbers just don't work either. Yeah, that sounds pretty cheap. So how far is that from downtown Chicago? Uh, it's probably twenty miles straight west. So I, I would love to say twenty minutes, but you've got Chicago traffic, so probably probably an hour, forty five minutes to an hour straight west. And uh, how do you guys? Um divvy up the between you and your father who does what 
So, so most of these that we buy are right off the MLS. Most of them are, are pretty turnkey. So there's very minimal fix up to do. Um, whoever has time will just get in there, clean it up, do some light work. We do what's called a phase one. Uh, every time we buy something, which is, you know, electrical, plumbing, safety issues, and things like that. Um, I wouldn't really even call that a rehab. It's just stuff to protect us as landlords. Um, so whoever's got time can just do that. I, I think I usually end up doing it because I'll list it for rent and I'll go to the unit and just start working on it. And then if people call me, just I tell them, hey, come over, come take a look at it. I'm here right now. And I try to rent it while I'm there just to save some time. Now, uh, you guys self-manage all of these. Um, so... Yes. Who, who's are you doing everything as far as when bringing in new tenants and doing all the vetting process what how's that process for you guys yeah so we both have realtors license um i i choose to list all of them on the mls and i screen all the tenants coming in um i, I think that's like the most important skill any landlord can have is tenant screening so yeah i, I do it all myself uh, i wouldn't mind outsourcing that one day but i don't think anyone's gonna do it as well as i do I think I know the complex better. I know the I know the unit better. I know the tenant pool better, and I'm constantly renting other units for other investors in the same complexes too. So even if they don't pick up my unit or I don't have a vacancy, I can put them somewhere else, and I know a lot more about the tenant pool in that area specifically because I'm active in the market. So yeah, you do a lot of vetting. Uh, do you do a year lease or are you a month to month? How do you work that out? So that's one of the differences with with HOAs and condos as opposed to a lot of other places. All of the ones that we are in have a minimum 12-month requirement. So we can't do any short-term leases. We don't do any, you know, six months or any month-to-months. Um, you know, we don't do like the Airbnb stuff. So we we don't do any of that. We, we try to do everything on a 24-month lease, even including the studios. Um, sometimes it's just a little more market-dependent. Um, I always start with the most strict criteria when I'm listing it for rent. And then as I get feedback from the market, I'll make adjustments. So I'll do two-year lease, uh, no pets of any kind, and you know, good credit, good income, all that stuff. And if the leads just aren't as strong, then I'll drop it down to one year, maybe loosen up on some of the other requirements, things like that. Pretty much anything I can do except for lowering the price. Uh, do, you, do you look at uh, credit score at all, or is it just kind of an area where everyone has bad credit and that's not really one of the big criteria? So credit's actually a huge factor. Um, I only buy in areas that attract really good tenants. So all of my tenants, and this is kind of the running joke, all of them have nicer cars than I do. You know, when I just show up to, you know, fix the sink or do whatever, it's, you know, I'm the poor landlord. They've got the nice Tesla in the parking spot or whatever. And, you know, here I am driving this old minivan. So um, no, credit's very, very important. All, All my tenants are people that can buy. They just choose to rent. So we focus a lot on, you know, 12 months employment, uh, 12 month residence history, and obviously there's income requirements too. And then, yeah, most of my tenants, uh, if not all of them have over 700 plus credit scores. So yeah, we, we looked into that very heavily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't take you for a minivan guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love my minivan. It fits sheets of drywall perfectly right in the back. So it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's perfect. In <laughs> Chicago, you need to have that covered in the winter if you're driving around with stuff. So it makes sense. Yeah, I love it. So you're, so you're the handyman? Uh, anything that needs to be fixed, you're the one that goes over and does it? Or do you call out uh, to a professional? I, I can do just about anything. Uh, I'm very good with plumbing and electrical. Uh, I am absolutely horrible at drywall and mudding. I, I've done it a million times, and it just looks like garbage every time I do it. So that's probably the one thing I would I would call for. 
Um, and then I can't, you know, fill my own Freon, so I'll have to call an HVAC guy for that. But yeah, otherwise, um, I, I do everything myself. Uh, and like I said before, when we do a phase one, like when we first buy the condo, we try to make this thing tenant-proof. So we, we take out the garbage disposals, we take out ceiling fans, we put in three-bulb dome lights, we replace all the switches, all the outlets, all the GFCIs, we put in braided hose lines, uh, we replace all the traps underneath the sinks with PVC. Even if they look brand new, we just rip them out, throw them, throw them away, put new stuff in. And, uh, you know, we, we get very, very few calls, very few calls. So that the maintenance on these things is really, really easy. The other thing I really like about condos too, is typically I, you know, I have one bedroom, I've got one bathroom and one tenant, you know, houses, you can have three, four five, six people plus pets. The, the wear and tear on houses is just it's just horrible compared to these things. So I do very, very little maintenance on them and they, they hold up really, really well. Yeah, no, it's a good idea. You get, you're getting everything out of the way at the beginning, save yourself a little bit of trouble. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is be driving over there all the time to, to fix things. So I just kind of set it up once and then just do little minor tweaks as I go. But I really don't, I really don't spend much time in, in any unit after it's rented. Um, so you got nine units now you said, and they're all condos. Yep. They're all condos. Yep. So I have uh, two studios, two two beds, and five one beds. Nice. And uh, so, what's the future plan? You, you got anything on the horizon, or you just still doing flips now, or did you stop doing flips? Uh, I stopped doing flips just because they're not holding any auctions. There's no evictions either. I mean, that, that should be coming soon, but right now, there's nothing I can do about that. Um. So I, I just have to wait for that market to kind of catch up in the area. But yeah, I'm just going to continue to buy rentals. Uh, like I said, I've got three more under contract right now. So I'm about halfway to what I where I want to be. What's that main goal? Um, I'm thinking 25 is probably more than enough, you know, for me. So that's that's my goal, 25. Um, now you mentioned auctions. Do you, you've been buying some of these in auctions? Yeah, actually. So I buy. Most of the flips at auctions, and I've, I would say probably half of the ones I've held as rental uh, at auctions as well. So the MLS, so in our market, the MLS is pretty strong for rentals as far as condos go, and the other half are, are at the uh, sheriff's auction. I don't, I don't do the online auction thing, just the in-person ones. Yeah, so how does that work? You have to sign up ahead of time and prove that you have a certain amount of money. You have to have, ca- you have to buy it in cash, correct? Yeah, you got to pay all cash in 24 hours if you win. Uh, so for DuPage, you have to have 10% of the opening bid. So when you show up to the sheriff's uh, steps, you just show them the cashier's check and they, they write your name down on the sheet. And then when it comes to it, they do a round robin bidding actually. So each county is a little bit different. DuPage is, uh, I don't want to say it's less competitive, but it's more organized and structured. So they'll have to say, Hey, property one, two, three, uh, Main Street. There's five bidders, and they'll say bidder number one, Bob. What is your bid? Bob will say his number. Okay, bidder number two, Scott. What is your bid? And they just go one by one by one until someone drops off, and they just keep going down the line until everyone drops off, and then you're the final winner. So it's a little different, but it's uh, it's pretty good actually. That's interesting. So what do they usually start it off at? Do they start it off at like twenty grand, or is it start higher than that? <sighs> yeah, some lately the. Like pre-COVID, before they start to do a moratorium on evictions, the the prices were getting close to retail, and there's there's still some opening bids that are at or above retail price, so we don't even go for those. 
Uh, and they only post the price, like the opening bid, usually like 4 or 5 p.m. the night before. So they have them every Tuesday and Thursday at 10 o'clock. So on Monday around 4 or 5, I'm just refreshing my phone to see if the listing price shows up. And if, it, if it's in a price range I know I can I can go for, then I just run to the bank real quick and then I'm ready to go for the morning. Now, how many people usually show up to that? So usually it's probably 20 people, 30 people, and I would say four or five of them bid. Okay. Most people are just there to take notes and learn and never end up actually buying stuff. It's usually the same four or five people that are buying all the time. Really? Yeah, same people. Just They bid on almost everything all the time. I don't know how that works, but it must be nice. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, how many of those have you gone to and not walked away with anything? Are you, do you usually buy like twenty five percent of the time you go, or how does it end up usually working out? Yeah, I'm somewhere between like twenty five and fifty percent on those. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that difficult to win. You just gotta you just gotta pay more than the guy that has no experience. So. And now, uh, do you get to see the unit ahead of time, or are you just under the assumption that it could look like hell when you go in there? Or? <laughs> no, you, you can't. You can't see it ahead of time. You can't peek in the windows. You can't do anything. Um, so yeah, there, there is quite a bit of risk there, and obviously, title issues can be present. You don't know if you're bidding on second liens and things like that. I mean, um, there's there's a lot of issues that can come up with it. Uh, there was one one unit in particular I was really interested in a few years ago. And I was doing all my title research, and I couldn't tell if this was a unit or if it was a garage at this complex. And I mean, we, we searched for hours. We, we could not figure it out, so we just had to say, all right, we're going to let someone else buy that and figure it out. So and no nightmares when you open that door and you see something you didn't expect to see? No, I mean, you know, like I said, because I do mostly condos, I, all the exteriors maintain pretty well, and if there's ever any flooding or major issues you know neighbors are going to call and the hoa is going to step in and fix it so there, there aren't a whole lot of nightmare scenarios that can occur when you've got condos or townhomes as opposed to single family um so i try to just budget you know when i'm wanting to buy something i just pretend that everything in the unit needs to be ripped out and redone and that's that's really the only safe way of bidding on these um and then every time something doesn't need to be done then i just save some money bonus yeah yeah, so it's 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 a much safer way to do it, and like I said, there's a lot less competition for these kind of things as well. Absolutely. So um, I did I did recently buy a a two bed two bath condo, and it was a hoarder house. I think they they had died or they had moved out of it or something like that. But when we finally got into the unit, I mean, there was stuff everywhere. I think it took us like four dumpsters to get it all cleaned out. So, but you know, once that was all cleared out, it wasn't a big deal. So nothing. We haven't found any bodies or anything like that yet. No dead but, cats or anything. No. Uh, no, no. I, I found a I found a deer's head once. You know, that scared the living daylights out of me. But no, no bodies yet. Nice. <laughs> now, are you and your father there, boots on the ground, or are you just uh, hiring a team to take out all that stuff? So we actually do a handful of work ourselves. We we hire all sub subcontractors for all the work. We don't, we've done the GC route and it just didn't work out really well for us. Just too expensive and they typically don't know more than we do. So we, we sub everything out. Uh, and he and I will do a lot of the work depending on what needs to be done. So we, we'll do some of the high dollar work, some of the electrical and plumbing stuff we don't want to pay, you know, $100 an hour for. And then for all the other stuff, we, we typically hire out. All right. Uh, yeah. So are you highly leveraged? You turn around and taking out loans on these after you buy cash? Oh, Absolutely. 
Always highly leveraged. That's why I'm on your podcast. <laughs> hey, I don't discriminate. If you're not highly leveraged, I'll still have you on. <laughs> no, yeah, I've uh, I've never had a ton of money, so I always have to leverage everything, and uh, it, it's all worked out really well. But um, yeah, I've I've got tons of highly leveraged stories for you too. So with rentals and with flips, all sorts of things. Uh, for for the flips, we typically we typically use private money for those. And, uh, we, you know, once that, once that closes and we get the deed and record it all, we convert it into a mortgage, uh, with one of our private lenders. So he'll give us a 12 month mortgage on those. Um, and we do a lot of unsecured notes to some friends and family too. So yeah, we, we always borrow, I mean, and then just put all the rehab stuff on credit cards, you know, but we're always, always highly leveraged. It's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, so tell me about the, um, your volunteer work. So I'm actually the librarian at a group called the Chicago Area Real Estate Investor Association. We're a non-for-profit RIA uh, over over in Lyle. It's kind of by Naperville. Um, and I, like I said, I run the library. I do a lot of emceeing. And we have two events per month. One is just a, a networking night. It's all free. Everyone just comes and tries to meet people, pass business cards. And then the other one, which is actually tonight, uh, the second Monday of the month, we have a general meeting where we have a speaker come and give a formal presentation and do that kind of stuff. So we're one of the only non-for-profit real estate groups in the area, as, as far as I know. So we don't we don't have any coaching programs, any boot camps, any of that stuff. So uh, I bought a one-bed rental a couple of years back, um, and, and I talk about this all the time when I go to networking. Just you know, we we always throw out these questions: Would you ever buy a negative cash flow property? And almost everyone says, "No, no way. Why would you do that? No, no, no." Uh, well, anyways, I bought this one. It was on the MLS. It had, it was under contract by somebody else for 97,000. It was a short sale, fell back out. So I went to go look at it and I said, okay, this one looks good. I know I can rent this. It's a, it's a good complex and I think it's a little underpriced. So I offered them 90,000 and they said, well, Hey, we're already approved for 97. They're not going to take it. I said, I don't care. And so they came back and said, okay, we'll take your 90. I said, great. So then I had to find 90,000 bucks to go buy this thing because I didn't have it, obviously. Uh, I found a private lender that said he would lend me 90% of that. So I'd have to put nine grand down plus closing costs or whatever. Uh, this, this is a kind of a weird scenario. So this is a one bedroom and it had two parking spaces. So in condos, uh, parking is a very big deal depending on the complex. So typically all one bedrooms in this area have one parking space. This one had two. So what we decided to do was he said he would offer me 100% loan to value if I gave him the other parking space. So I gave him my down payment was the parking space. So as soon as I could, I deeded it over to him. He rented it out for 75 bucks a month and I got 100% financing on this thing. Wow. So as as that one went, you know, my he gave me a 30-year loan but the interest rate was double digits. So as soon as I bought this thing, even after it was rented, it was negative, I think like three fifty a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm paying hard money rates basically at a hundred percent financing. It doesn't work great, you know? And then uh, a month later I found another deal I wanted to buy. So I got the same terms. So I put 10% down on that one, rented that one out and I was upside down probably about three fifty a month on that as well. So I was basically negative 700 on these two deals I bought one month apart in February and March. Uh, I believe it was 2018. And I just kept renting it out, kept losing a little bit of money, no big deal. 12 months came around and I refinanced the first deal. 
I bought it for 90. It appraised for 125. And I was able to get a loan, I think, for 92.5. So I actually ended up getting a loan for a little more than I paid for it. And as soon as I refinanced it, you know, it started cash flowing immediately. And, uh, you know, I got to raise the rents as well. So now, now I've got, it's gone up even more since then. So now I've got over a $40,000 equity spread on this thing. And it's cash flow positive, probably 250 a month. I could, I could probably even tell you right now. So yeah, I, I do a lot of weird stuff like that where, you know, maybe up front, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, it's cash flowing two ninety nine a month right now. So and that was a zero, that was a zero down deal that was on the MLS that anybody could have done. And, uh, I decided to do it. So I've done, I've done a lot of weird stuff like that too. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff. Tell me, go ahead. Give me some weird stuff. I like the weird stuff. <laughs> the parking space is probably the weirdest one. Yeah. That's an um, interesting one. It, it's a weird one. Um, so there's, there's other, there's other like condo things that again, a lot of people don't know about. So, um, if a condo association forecloses on a unit, they start collecting the rent and that rent goes to pay off all of the past HOA dues and all the other things that they've cost the attorney's fees and things like that. So, uh, sometimes if it's rented for long enough, you can actually get a surplus and all of that new, all of that surplus money is going to the new owner. So if you can buy a unit that's been rented from the HOA for you know a few years, which is sometimes possible, you can actually get a big check after you buy it. So I've done that before. Um, Mine didn't quite even out. I didn't get paid to do it, but most of the back dues got paid. So I actually inherited a tenant when I bought it from the auction because the HOA foreclosed on it. Yeah. So I've done things like that as well. Um, but you wouldn't recommend so that for somebody starting out. Well, you, well, you don't. No, <laughs> I don't recommend the auctions for anyone that's starting All out right. for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of units that where that happens, but you have to you have to know if there's a surplus or not. So you can't just you can't just guess. Um, and I and I do serve on a lot of HOA boards, so I do have that kind of knowledge. I'm not on every board, but I am on uh, several right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I get to know which units are in trouble and going into foreclosure, and they're having financial problems. So I kind of know where things are going before they even really hit the market. Yeah, you, you you can buy units where you actually get paid at closing. I've done that. I've done that a couple of times too. I get 100% financing and I get a commission check and you know, I get tax prorations and then I rent it out. I actually get a few thousand dollars after I close. That sounds so like a I've, good deal. I've done that a few times too. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's weird. I've done a few burrs as well. Uh, mostly with private money. So all sorts of things. I mean, I've, I've done just about everything, you know, to, to get, get these deals up and running. Yeah, you gotta get yourself in the door, and then you can figure it out after. Yeah, exactly. You know, you just you gotta buy it and and stabilize it, and then move on to the next one, and then you, you come back and you, you tweak a few things here and there, and and that's typically what I do. Is I'll you know, like I said, I bought that one, and really the financing was really really horrible on it, but it allowed me to get in there, and then I just moved on to deal number two, or I think this was deal number five or six at the time, and you know sometimes. You know, sometimes those investors are always looking for properties that need to be fixed. Sometimes it's the financing that needs to be fixed to make this deal go from bad to good or from good to great. So, you know, it's totally fine. You know, I'll, I'll buy units with any interest rate. I don't really care what it is as long as I get the right property. Because I know down the road I can fix the financing and then this whole thing works really, really well. So I, I know a lot of people are scared of prices going up so high and saying, oh, I can't afford it. Or how can you afford to pay that much? And it's just, 
you know, you just, you just buy it and you stabilize it and you move on. And then the time will come where you can go and you can fix the financing later. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've refinanced like six units in the last couple months here. And now my, my cash flow spread is just continually increasing. Plus the rents are going up. What are you guys getting for a rate out there right now? Is it under three and a half still? For the investments, most of them are, yeah, uh, under four. I still have some. I paid off my 13% rate last month. Um, I still have a couple in the eights. I've got one in the low sixes. Um, but all like the conventional ones, those are, yeah, like the, the high threes. So, yeah, I, I don't think the interest rate matters a whole lot. But while it's really low and 30-year fixed, I got to get as much of that as I can. Absolutely. And uh, what's the appreciation like on these houses? Are you getting the, the average 4% in that area or somewhere right around there? So they're they're all a little bit different. And with the condo strategy that I'm doing, we, we have a kind of a different play here. Um, I, I try to get on all the boards, especially when there's management issues and things like that. I, I know which properties are managed poorly, and sometimes that causes the prices to be artificially low. So what we'll do is we'll go in, get on the board, and then we'll start making improvements to the common areas, the landscaping. We'll, we'll put in cameras. We've, we've fired management and brought in new management. You know, we do audits for the budgets and all sorts of things. And, uh, you know, eventually the, the prices of all of the units will start to take off. So um, some of them are, we, I think I've still got one complex that's still artificially low as far as prices go because our, our budget's been hurting really bad. So um, aside from that, we, we kind of force the appreciation up on a lot of these for the improvements that we make, which is, is kind of a different kind of a different strategy, but again, like the whole condo route is totally different than what most people do. So yeah, I, I would say the average three, four percent is, I mean, it's very easily doable, if not more from, from the improvements that we do. Uh, so what's your end game? You said you wanted to get to 25. What are you, what are you looking at? How, how long out are you thinking? Uh, I'm averaging two a year. So, uh, I'm thinking maybe seven, eight more years. I don't know if the math really checks out on that. So yeah, if I buy these three or four, that'll I'll be like just under 15. So yeah, maybe five to eight years. Yeah. And then I'll just, I don't know, maybe I'll just keep buying for fun. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you still got your license and everything, still keep that and make a, make a little extra money on your deals. So yeah, I mean, you know, buying, buying units is kind of like buying groceries. You're just like, eh, okay, I'll, I'll go buy that one. Oh, okay. I'll buy that one. You know, it's that, it's that simple. <laughs> it does get addictive though, right? You know, you yeah. know like when you start to see it build up, you're like, oh yeah, I got to go get another one now. Yeah. Like, man, it's, it's been a few months. I should really go shopping here. So it's not as scary as everyone thinks, you know, you, you do a couple and you know, it gets pretty easy. Well, like you said, you screwed, you got screwed at the beginning a little bit with one of those first two. So you got that out of the way. So <laughs> yeah, you learned your lessons real quick. Yeah. yeah. They say a successful second deal just means that you lost less than on your first deal. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to look at it. <laughs> so you just lose less and less each time you do it. And eventually you'll start to make money. And I think that's really true, especially in the flipping arena. Yeah, absolutely. So how many houses have you guys flipped overall? I don't know, probably like six to 10, something like that. Yeah. We bought a number of them, rented them out for a year or two, and then sold those off. And uh, we've done probably half a dozen just straight flips too. So I don't know, somewhere in that six to 10 range. I think if you're doing this business right, it's it's pretty boring. You know, it's I, I don't spend much time, you know, doing budgets and things like that. I don't spend a lot of time at any one unit. Yeah. 
Um, I, I might get one service call a year per unit, if that. Um, so I, I really don't have any horror stories. I'm just trying to uh, just trying to acquire more and more units. So let me see. And you just managing everything by a spreadsheet, or are you using any online software? Excel. That's all I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really dumb and simple. It, it's it's just it's not that difficult to do. You know. So how do your tenants pay? They mail you a check, or are you using like Venmo, or how are you doing that? Uh, I use an online service called eRent Payment. So I just make everyone sign up, and everyone has to pay automatically every month. And I've never had any issues with it, so they just it just pops in there. It's kind of like a PayPal or something where they put their info in, I put my info in, and we don't we don't ever see each other's info, and it just it tracks it all for you. Very simple, very easy to use, and I don't have to pay for it. So. So yeah, I guess the one one piece of advice I'd give some of your listeners going forward, and this is just something I hear at a lot of our events, is people are freaking out about prices. Prices are going up too high, or the numbers don't work today. And and here's what I always tell people, and this is what someone told me when I first started as well. Uh, are you a car guy, Dave? You like cars? Yes. Yeah. What kind of yeah. cars do you like? What's your dream car? I want a Dodge Challenger, Hellcat, Red Eye, wide body. That's very specific. <laughs> Yeah, they're like ninety thousand dollars, so it's not too near a future. <laughs> All right, so this is this is what I always say to people. I try to give this illustration: is so I said, you know, Dave, if I were to buy you a Dodge Charger Hellcat today and give Challenger. it Challenger, Challenger, sorry, not the Charger, no, the Challenger. They are, no, there there is two of them. I, I just don't, yeah. I don't like the Charger. I'll go with the Challenger. The Challenger, my bad. If I were to buy you the Challenger and give it to you, would you care how much I paid for it? No. And the answer is always no. You don't care. So why should we care how much we're paying for these units? Our tenants are going to be paying these things off for us for the next 30 years. And if we manage them well, they're going to pay us way more than what they're worth over the long haul. You should be cash flowing on all of these at some point, if not today. So prices, I don't think are a big deal. If you're paying over retail or if you think the prices are inflated, that's okay. Just buy it, rent it, stabilize it, and move on to the next one. The tenant is going to pay for the whole thing. So that's what I'd say. That's an interesting way to look at it. I'll have to give you my address after so you can send that challenger over here. <laughs> It'll be about this big, but I'll send it to you. <laughs> a little matchbox guy. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Chicago condo king in the making. It's interesting that people come at this from so many different angles, and none of them are really wrong. I mean, condos, single family, small multifamily, large apartment buildings. You just get out there and make it happen. You can find Scott on Facebook at Scott Buys Houses. That's Scott with one T. He's on Instagram at Rockstar Realtor Scott. He's a legit rock star, too. I'm going to play out the end of this episode with one of his songs from his band, Monroe. Uh, Scott's on lead vocals and playing rhythm guitar. It's a great friggin' tune. By the way, he didn't ask me to plug any of this. I'm just a huge music fan, and I had to ask him about the music. I've been to hundreds of concerts. Hell, I've seen D- Dave Matthews' band 95 times in 14 different states over the last 22 years. But despite my Dave Matthews band obsession, I am much more of a hard rock guy. And I'll tell you, this is a very talented band. Uh, I know talent because I sucked at playing bass in my younger years. It it might not even be a genre, but it's really good, tight music. He might drive around in a minivan, but I'll tell you, it looks a hell of a lot cooler on stage. If you check out their Facebook page uh, at Monroe, he actually does a sick guitar spin on stage, and it's pretty sweet. I'll have all those links in the show notes so you can check it out later. Links to his Instagram, Facebook, and the band Facebook. If uh, you're looking for a realtor in Chicago, go ahead and reach out to him. All right, I'll be back next week with another episode. You can find it on Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, anywhere you find podcasts. 
rate and review. We'll see you next time. Bye, Anna. Thank you for listening to the Highly Leveraged Podcast. Leave a review and subscribe to get new shows automatically downloaded every Monday morning. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Highly Leveraged Pod. And check out our website at HighlyLeveragedPod.com for more info. So, uh, yeah, before you go, tell me a little bit about, about music. You still jam around at all or you don't have time for it with everything else going on? I know you're a guitarist. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, I've been volunteering at church, you know, once a month for the last 10 years. And then, uh, you know, we record a couple of tunes here and there that we used to play in, in, in our heyday. And so now we just kind of record them and put them online for fun. But, uh, yeah, we, we don't we You don't guys make original music? Or yeah, you guys, uh, all original, hard rock stuff. So what was your, who was your influences? Oh, man. So I'm in Chicago, so I'm a big Smashing Pumpkins fan. Um, I would I would say we are, we're more on the heavier rock side, so uh, Seven Dust, Deftones, Foo Fighters, probably on the lighter side as well, but somewhere in that neighborhood. Nice. Yeah, Seven Dust actually just played out here last night. Oh, yeah? I love yeah. those guys. <laughs> I saw them back in the day. I haven't seen them in a long time. I didn't know that they were back touring again, but... <laughs> they're, one of my, they're one of my favorites to see. I was at uh, Woodstock 99, the one that kind of burnt down at the end. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember we definitely made it over to see Seven Dust on, on that weekend. But uh, it was a cool weekend before everything lit on fire. <laughs> They're a great live band. They're like one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty crazy in the pit. I kind of backed off a little yeah. bit. Yeah. getting the circle going. I'm like, all right, man. Yeah, I'm like, ah, I'm a little too old for that now. I'll, I'll, I'll push the youngsters in the middle, yeah. Abuse, mass reflection